I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. You ain't cooking up. We cooking up, chopping up. D King. Lay down. Trap side, rap side, Don and the King. Gonna do it. Gonna do it. Chopping up. Peace, 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 and good evening. Welcome back to Chopping It Up with the Conduit Season 3. This is Episode 7, and today's special guest is brand development specialist, journalist, and photographer, Dove Clark. First, I would like to thank my tribe, executive producer, Mika Sunga, you're the best, graphics and promo visuals, Mad Urgency Myron, and on video, Adam7x, a.k.a. Mecha Godzilla. <clears throat> a huge thank you to a family of sponsors, Grown Fresh NYC. Y'all already see what's going on right here. I'm registered mutant today. Um, probably in the spirit of Comic-Con as well. Um, Street Fatigues, So What's the Scenario, and House of Customs, MD. And that's Customs with a K. The best in restoration and refabrication. You can find them on our website at choppingituppodcast.com. And without further ado, our guest for tonight, Dove Clark, has already joined the building. Please, everybody, say hello to her in the chat. She is a digital creator, veteran writer, and editor, photographer, and brand development specialist. She is the founder of Tiger Entertainment and xappeal.net, formerly urblife.com. You can find her in NYC across the nation, speaking to emerging artists and industry hopefuls about maximizing their resources and their potential. Everybody, please welcome, give a warm welcome to Dove Clark. If you don't mind, I want to start off. Today is a World Mental Health Day, and it has been in the forefront as it should. Um, how important is it for you to maintain your mental health since you deal with clients 24 hours a day in a, such a, an ever-changing industry? Well, for me, uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I feel like it's an everyday thing, right? Mm -hmm. like, yes. You never really get to just have a day off or a free day or a free thought day or anything. Everything becomes health. Um, mm -hmm. And, and what did I say? Finding our peace, um, taking a break, finding a moment, whatever yeah. that you right right i feel like a lot of music artists it, and you can't stereotype everyone obviously but a lot of music artists will kind of it, rather than taking time to themselves to like go vacation you know or take the family out they'll bury themselves in more work they'll bury themselves in their songwriting in the studio or you know hey let's go smoke a blunt and that's kind of the the relief you know mm -hmm. the of it the self-medication right and and again you know we can't stereotype because everyone doesn't do that there's people that don't drink don't smoke don't do anything so it's right. not like we're talking you know a raging crazy rock star lifestyle all the time that's not what that is right but um i do think that we don't speak enough about taking time for self-care we yeah. don't talk enough about giving ourselves room and space to just focus on being happy right mm -hmm. right um, and it's something that i personally have to tell myself a lot and thankfully i have a good friend circle who yeah. will literally say you know dove go sit your ass down mm. and break it's clear that you 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 have a moment you know what i mean like yeah you know? so people people being supportive of that around an artist in particular i think is so important mm -hmm. like our, all artists should have somebody, whether it's their, their friends or family, their management, whoever, who says, hey, you know, Sunday, just take the day off. Or after you get home from the studio, let's shut your phone off for a couple hours so you can just relax. Maybe mm. you can do yoga or something, right? Decompress. Decompress, yes. Right. So I really feel like more of that is needed. That mm. that answered the question, like... <laughs> I mean, it definitely helps to, I mean, answer the question because, you know, a lot of people don't talk about that. You know, there's only a certain percentage of us that, you know, speak on that, but it's rare that other people outside of the field get to hear that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and being as though you're always, you're literally on call 24-7. Usually. And you deal with, a, you know, a plethora of artists from 
you know, legends to Grammy Award winners to up and coming artists. So, you know, that's why I asked the question. And, I, you know, I think you, you gave a, a great answer, which uh, leads me to this quote. Relationships are keys to success in any business mm -hmm. and maintaining bonds through often rocky terrain of the hip hop landscape can be challenging. <laughs> right. I assume, you know, those bonds you formed have been strengthened. What are some of the keys to maintaining those bonds when this industry has shown, you know, the callous ways and actions of some? Uh, this has actually been a lot, a big topic of discussion lately for me because I've realized that there's a lot of trauma bonding, you know, if people understand what that means, that goes on in the business. Like, you can break that down for the who, who, who wouldn't understand. Yeah, so many people have been hurt, um, burned, robbed, abused, you know, in different ways. This, this whole industry can be very mentally and emotionally abusive to people because they're not necessarily ready for the sharks in the water, mm. right? They're right. not necessarily ready for this person that's looking at you so sincerely saying, hey, I got your back. It might be the exact person who a year or two years or five years or 10 years from now is now your mortal enemy because mm. over business shit, right? Right. So I've learned that I really ha have developed trust issues that I didn't even realize I, you know, I always consider myself to be a pretty open person mm -hmm. and pretty, um, available you know, and, and I've recently really been recognizing that now nah, I have a lot of walls up and I have a lot of preconceived notions of what's going to happen to me in this situation. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah. Um, trauma bonding comes from me, me meeting another person <laughs> who's been in these situations and us creating our relationship through that trauma and almost mm -hmm. like, yeah, you got to be careful because X, Y, Z will happen. And it really took for a couple of people who have become close to me to say, hey, nah, that's not That's not I'm healthy. Doing. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not being fair to me and you're not being fair to yourself wow. by putting that kind of stigma on this. This is right. new. got to be new. And I, I really have been thinking about it. Like, you know what? They're right. Like, I, I... I don't want to be bitter. I never wanted to get to that point where I looked at this business that I chose, that I love, working with people I love to make me hate not what I do, but hate myself, hate the people around me, hate the thought of getting up in the morning because this shit sucks. Like, that's why I left nine to five. Mm. So it's been really cathartic for me kind of to work through some of this stuff. And I think... I guess I don't want to ever tell people what they should do, but I do wish for people. Hi, Nucci. Yeah, Nucci, the people. homie. Peace, Nucci. <laughs> and I seen Day was in here. And yeah. Hi, Malone. I see everybody. Hi, guys. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, I really feel like we don't sometimes reassess mm. our own openness. You know, like we have to reassess. And this comes from my point of view here. Okay. I will never another person like you gotta sit down and figure it out no like in your own time but what i will say is this okay. you don't want to be 72 years old one day and regret that you didn't give somebody a fairer shake or that you didn't allow an opportunity to unfold because scared that you were going to get hurt and right. that can pass from business to personal to you know spiritual you know what i mean yeah. there's there's so many different ways that, can you see me, girl? Like a lot of light here. Um, hold on, I'm gonna open this up. This up. All right, that'll work. Just to get a little more light. Sorry. There we go. Okay. okay. Now you give me more face here. Yay. <laughs> so I just I think the relationships that you make out here. There are a lot of superficial relationships. We're not ever gonna pretend like everybody's so sincere and everybody right. really cares about you, right? We know right. that. Right. But I could say that some of the best <laughs> friendships that I've had as an adult have come through the music industry and also through the photography world as well. You know, I've met people who are literally, as we speak, changing my whole life mm. in that world. And it's amazing. And it's like, I don't know why they believe in me. 
I don't look at my work and think, oh, I'm better than everybody. It's not that. But it's just something in the way that our relationships unfold yes. that creates that desire for them to say, hey, I want to I want to help you. I want to, you know, get this done. Right. Right. And the fact that, you know, when I, I look at Nucci, who, you know, and I know there's a few people that have popped up. So I'm sorry I'm not mentioning everyone's names, but someone like Nucci, who I worked with a few years back. Right. You know, before he was even legal. And, you know, all these years later, like, it's still my friend, you know, yeah. and I still check he's, in. He's a real one. He was. He, he is. He's, he's raised yeah. right. Yeah, he was. And I mean, I it's like you genuinely care about people that you meet along the way. And, you know, I met Mika through work. I, you know, that's one of my best friends now. Yeah. It's like you, you're able to create these relationships with people that are, that some may come from trauma bonding, but I think there's so much healing in it as well. And being able to work through things together creates a stronger bond than money. Exactly. Right. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be monetary. Yeah. Did you don't give me the tear face? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nish, you already know what time it is, man. We love you, man. Yeah. Hi, Kath. There's another one. Kath, Kathy, who I've known since she was knee-high to a grasshopper. You know, that's someone I'm extremely proud of. Amazing, amazing person. Mm -hmm. It's like being able to have these kind of relationships is so important to me, for sure. Okay, so um, let's dive into your extensive history. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely been learning. Um, let's starting in 2001, you know, you know, contributing your journalistic talents to platforms such as Inc., Rhyme Magazine, you know, YRB, and one of my personal faves, which was uh, allhiphop.com. Yeah. Um, what were some of the highlights in history made, spe you know, specifically with all hip hop? Well, all hip hop, I was blessed. It was so weird because this was at the dawn of the internet website. You know, back then it was online magazines, right? Yes. So Chuck and Greg had started all hip hop back in 97, I believe. Okay. I hope they don't kill me if I'm wrong, but I think it was 96 or 97. And they had been working on it, you know, structurally for some years, just the two of them. I think Steve Ray's was there early. Um, and I met them through Davey D. I, okay. Davey was a person I had met who said, oh, hey, you want to write? You can write for me if you want. He then introduced me to Chuck and Greg. He introduced me to the guy over at Rap Sheets. Um, he introduced me to Wendy Day, who became Oh, Wendy Day. Members. Yeah. Oh. Hi, Leslie. And and that lady right there, Leslie, we've been friends since seventh grade. Oh, wow. See? <laughs> CJ. But yeah, we, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the start of it was a little rough because I always wanted to write or contribute back then. I never thought of using my photography, not once. I just used to do that for fun. Right. Like film photography. So it was all about writing. But no one would give me a shot at the local magazines in the Pacific Northwest because I didn't have a college degree. Oh. Kind of like, well, you, you're not, you know, one of us. And da, 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 so just, you know, they wouldn't give me a shot. So to get a shot, I just went ham. I went crazy. And I would write for one website and I send it to 15 other websites. And next thing you know, my writing is everywhere. And then with all hip hop, I got the chance to really, really, you know, make new connections. Mm -hmm. And we used to get on AOL chat every night. Yes. <laughs> That was that. And that's when the, those player. were the, those were the good old days, like message boards, and all that good stuff. Yeah, LA to go in here. I see you, LA. Hi. Peace, LA. Uh, hi, PJ. So, when what what I learned early on though was that the industry didn't take online writing seriously. We right. were basically told we were hacks. Mm -hmm. The internet would never be anything. You know, Chuck actually at the time was working at BET. Greg, I believe, was had another business. He was in Delaware. But everybody had a day job working this job. You know what I mean? No one was really making money. Nobody was, you know, it was just for the love. It was for the love, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So one day I was in walking by a club, and I found this magazine, Rhyme Magazine. It was his first issue. I said, I don't know who these people are right here, but I want to write for this. So right. I wrote the guy who owned it. It was a young guy uh, who lived in Cali. And I said, hey, you don't know me. I want to write for you. This is what I'm doing. 
He's like, sure, yeah. And I ended up becoming their marketing director for a couple of years. I wrote for them. But what I found was in print, they were sending us on press junkets. Oh. And they would send us all over the country to go interview people. So I would send back all the good shit to all hip hop. And I mean, I would still do a nice story for Rhyme, of course. Yeah, no doubt. All the dish, yeah. all the dish, you know, you send all hip hop. So we created this cool little network as more people came in, as the gun show, as we called ourselves, came to be, which was Alvin Blanco, uh, Jake Payne, Kathy, um, man, Steve, of course. Um, it, it, it became a thing, you know what I mean? Where we, we had this tight little group of, of editors who really went in. We had the greatest writers, you know, again, people doing it for the love. Um, but I think for me, the highlights of that, number one was being able to go in as print, but represent for all hip hop mm. too. Right. And being able, getting yoked up by Benzino at the Mix Show Power Summit. Like, you know, Ilse, tell Ilse, stop writing about me. Ooh, I'm like, I, bro, I don't know who it oh, is. Oh man, I remember <laughs> Ilse. He, oh man, that dude. Yo, Ilse yeah. used to cause so much trouble, but it was so much fun reading his posts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he was the first gossip blog. Before Ooh. there were gossip blogs, he was the first. He was the one. And he created a need for that. And a lot, I would say 98% of the shit that was said on there was true shit mm. that people were leaking in from their jobs or their, you know, whatever. There's Chris Wall. Hey, Chris. Hey, Flash. Um, but ultimately, there were moments where here I am interviewing my friend, you know, my friends more or less. Like, hey, I met this guy, T-Pain. He's super dope. Mm. No, I met him before he went solo even, but when he went solo, I said, you know, I interviewed this guy T Pain for the for the site. So we put him in the mix. Um we we interviewed like Neo off his very first album and Neo and I became instant buddies and have sneaker battles over the years forever wow. so they got rich and then I couldn't keep up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like custom Gucci. Like, what are you doing out here? It's crazy. Right. Um and being in that same kind of come up, so to speak, with, you know, the TIs and the GZs and, the, you know, seeing the whole BMF movement when mm. it was active in Atlanta. And all of that came through the eyes of me as a as a budding journalist. That's crazy. But I was also doing PR mm. to make money. You right. know, like that was my thing. So yeah. it was a lot. I was I, I look back at it like the the brightest moments were those interviews that i could get that no one else could really get because right. i was able to create relationships with people right right um the bonding that i had with certain artists that still to this day stand you know when we see each other it's, it's, it's still love because we yeah we've been through some things together indeed so, yeah that's my proudest moments i think let's dive into the pr side um, since 2003, you have, you know, represented some of the best in the game, you know, from Yo Gotti to Jim Jones, you know, DJ Paul of Three Six Mafia, and now most recently, of course, uh, the legendary DJ K Slay, the Culture Pushers, and if if it's okay to say, Mr. Jermaine Dupri. Well, his LA the Goat, who's his artist. LA yes, his artist. Yeah, LA, yeah. who's actually yeah. in here. Peace to LA the Goat, yeah. who I had the pleasure of meeting mm -hmm. through you. Thank you. Um, if it's okay to ask, you know, can you explain how these artists look to you to help them maximize, you know, their resources? Well, it's, it depends on the artist and it depends on the situation. Early on, I did straight publicity. So okay. I was just, thinking, you know, like working with Jim, Jay Mills, Ron Browse, Sirius Jones, um, Needles, um, all in my first two years in New York. Wordsworth, right. actually, Wordsworth was my very first, like, actual client. And shout out to um, <laughs> Tajay from Hieroglyphics. That was the first actual check I got as a oh, public. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. But um, from those days where I was in the streets, you know, like, we, we used the internet, but print was very much the leading thing. Yeah, so at the time. Who people were. I was doing international press back then. It was so easy because there were so many print mags and, you know, in Paris and 
parts of Italy and you know, it was it was a lot to choose from back then. Um as it moved forward, I feel like the needs of the artists changed because mm -hmm. back then the artists had label situations. So the right. labels did everything and work. Jim was really the first person I think I met who said, Hey, give me my budget. I'm gonna direct my own videos. Okay. I'm gonna, you know, like he took the bull by the horns and he really said he was gonna run his own stuff. So I took a lot from him and the way that he ran his business early on. Mm -hmm. Um over the years though, as more artists went independent, I feel like they needed me more to help them with structure, with advice on who to hire for other jobs and stuff. And my network, thankfully, I had, you know, some good DJ, um, you know, people that work records or whatever I could refer them to. Mm -hmm. But I would say it wasn't, it wasn't really till I started with Yo Gotti in 2009, mm -hmm. where it was like, okay, what resources do I really have in here that can help CMG as a whole? Right. You know, helping, you know, the team build what they need to build, whether it's their website or their social media, whatever it was, and really help that. So that was kind of my first first taste of really bringing that other element to what I did. Okay. And of course, Snow the product was there. Uh, DJ Paul, I started working with right around the same time as Snow. Um, then I got hired to work for a hat company mm. because kind of a little story to it. But this hat company came along, liked the work I was doing, and said, hey, we'd like to pay you to do what you do for these artists for us. So from that, I ended up, you know, being able to go into the whole retail fashion side, into manufacturing, marketing, you know, artist sponsorships, and seeing a whole other side of the coin on how I could help artists and making contacts where I could bring stuff together. So after that ended and I went back into music, I chose to try management out, um, not necessarily my cup of tea, you know, in the long term, but hi, Dot, there's Dot Demo. <laughs> yes, Dot Demo. I, I, oh, man, that name still rings bells. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I see Isabel, too. Isabel, I work with her son. If it's okay, can you give me a little light, Dub? Oh, a little light. You know yeah. what? I, I had to turn lights on in my house. It would help if I did that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, I just think you think I'd glow in the dark or something. No, so, I mean, I know, I know we're still in love with summer and we still <laughs> wish summer was still here, but I know that one fall season is approaching. And <laughs> yeah, the problem is I can see light, so I just think you can see me too. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's to say, like, the things, the skill sets that I learned kept evolving and changing as artists' needs keep changing because they're independent. Right. Right? So work with DJ Paul as well. I do a lot of different things for him. It's kind of like whatever's needed. You know, if, if he needs me to help him flush out a content plan, that's what we do. If he needs me to talk with the distribution about something, that's what I do. So I also started making relationships with the distribution company. So mm. now I could bring artists to distribution and help them set things up right based on what they need. Right. Helping them, you know, and I'm still learning every day. Like right now my push is to learn more about publishing, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm, these situations come up where I just don't know the answers and I feel like I should know more. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a process. Yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, so every artist that I've worked with, I feel like I've had a different skill set that I was able to use based on what they needed done. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's obvious because I've I've seen your stable. Um, I've been I've been hanging around a bit, and, and I, <laughs> I'm I'm learning myself. <laughs> I'm blessed. You. I'm I'm super blessed. Yes. To to that people pay me to do something that I love to do and that I'm good at. Um, that helps them too. It's just it's synergy. It really is. It becomes. It becomes a situation where. I don't need a contract. I really don't. Like, I'll sign a contract if people want me to. Right. But, like, I figure it's, like, you pay me and I do the work. And that's our agreement. And that's what it is. And if you're not happy with the work or if you want to go another direction, you don't pay me. Right. And there you go. So be it. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because we really don't have, you know, a lot of people who, you know, I guess work or believe in those kind of principles anymore. You know what I mean? Because they've... <laughs> I mean, I, I can say a lot of people have been burned or, 
you know, been deceived in the beginning where they won't be able to trust such behavior. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, you're definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, an uh, angel out here for, for a lot. I'm trying actually look, Isabel just said she'll share what she learned from BMI in just the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Yes. We're Thank on a you call. very much. See, this, <laughs> see, this is what we're Peace to DJ Paul Howard, who just joined as well. Um, this is a, a very informative interview that, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that you came on to talk about with us because, um, you know, starting this podcast roughly over a year ago during the pandemic, um, the, 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 the same line was either, uh, you know, interview a legendary MC, interview a DJ, and, you know, the back and forth, the back and forth. But, you know, with my executive producer, Mika's help, she was like, no, we're going to start taking this in a different direction. So season three was like, definitely let's talk to the people who are behind these entertainers that, you know, we love and support. So you, you know, joining us on this Sunday, giving us so much game and history, you know, just gives credence to what we're doing over here. And I thank you so much. Oh, no, I'm happy to be here. Great. So as the founder of Tiger Eye Entertainment, what was your reason and your purpose for creating this business? <laughs> this is so funny. So <laughs> I just said, well, I need a company name, right? Okay. Because has a company name no one wants to just talk to dove and back then i didn't even use my last name it was just dove sheepish lords of chaos that's my writing name right mm -hmm. so i said well i like tigers so i'll do tiger eye so i went to get a website somebody already had it spelled with an i so i said i'll just do it with a y i was just in a hurry and then i had to get the dot net because someone else took the dot com and they were saying you can't use dot net no one will ever work with you and like okay, watch watch hold my beer i got right. it mm -hmm. So the first thing I did, because I'm a journalist, right? I'm a writer. The biggest issue I ever had is that I'm trying to research a producer's discography. I'm mm -hmm. trying to find a bio or a photo or references to recent interviews. And because online wasn't really big and because I'm not going out spending all my money picking up magazines, I used to go to Barnes & Noble and read all the magazines and all the staff. Yes. Like, for hours. Right. To just research. Know yes. who was doing when what, news right? fans and things like that used to exist. Right. So I created Tiger Eye initially as a literal EPK for every client I had. Mm. So every client had a page with their bio. It had all their links to their official websites. There was no social media back then, not even Friendster. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's <laughs> talk about it. Let's go. The early days. And then um, I had links to interviews. So whenever they had an interview online, there was a link there. And then I would upload, I would make like a blog and I would put like, if they did print, I would scan it in on a real scanner, mm. send myself the picture and upload it. It was so ugly, but every freaking person was like, and, and I kept it simple. I didn't use back then people used to use flash pages, right. which is kind of the thing. But what it would do is it would shut your computer down if you're on dial up. Mm. So I just made mine a simple, easy to read because I had so many international people and people in colleges. There are a lot of writers who were still in college. Exactly. So they're using dial up in the library. So I just made it easy. So I get all these compliments. Then I had other publicists, friends who were like, oh, I'm about to take your idea. Is that cool? Sure. You know, you should have been doing this. What's wrong with you? Right. So I feel flattered that I lit because I had people tell me too, well, why would I want to be on a website when I got my own website? And theirs was like trash, like just, you know, it's like, okay, but you're not giving people what they need to learn about you. Right. Right. So that was really how I started it. And Tiger Eye became, you know, I had my little logo actually done by FWMJ. If you're not familiar with Frank William Miller Jr. Yes, no, I definitely have. <laughs> designers in the business made some of the most iconic i don't even think i could afford frank in my new life you know what i'm saying like wow. back still in school so it worked but he designed the original tiger eye logo my friend ill poetic actually touched it up a few years ago just kind of modernized it a bit mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's been a thing i never cared so much about tiger eye as a as a company that had employees and things like that there were times where i might have had an intern or two but for the most part it's just me right um i just did it because people felt more comfortable hiring a company than they did a person mm. it's just whatever now i don't care i don't even use my i don't even use tiger eye it's still a website but still a website yes 
you know but, you know we wanted I, to get I, the definitely get the uh you know the history behind it yeah absolutely and i like i tell all artists trust your brand right right and my brand me so that's what i trust okay indeed um do you care to explain the good and the bad of being a woman in such a male dominated industry um we don't hear enough of the truth so that others who may watch or listen have somewhat of a guideline to draw from if that's okay okay so i will say that i have never been a woman who used my exquisite breasts as a reason to feel less than indeed I I never walk in a room full of men and say, oh, well, I'm girls, so they're not going to listen. I do know for facts that there are times where because I have a voice of a 15-year-old of a that I may not get taken as seriously, so I have to put some bass in my voice. You know what I'm saying? I got to right. lower it down so you're going to listen to me today, right? Right. But ultimately, I would just work circles around the people I'm around, and if you feel less than because of my work, that's on you. Mm. But I'm not here to play. Mm. I might have less money than you because I'm a woman, whatever, but I'm still going to do my work. I'm going to elevate that because I'm not using my womanhood as an excuse to be less or an excuse to give you a feeling to say that, oh, yeah, well, she she knows she's just a woman. So da, da, da. I never let that be a thing with me, hmm. you know, and and you have to understand, too. Let's bring this into it. I am a European Yes. you know based woman working in a black industry yes for black people yes let's bring let's bring that elephant in the room let's because there's that people that, that will talk about that so first and foremost i've never in my whole life felt entitled to be anywhere i've always earned my place i've always felt honored to be a part of i felt welcomed i felt loved i have felt appreciated and it's nothing that I take for granted. There's never been a day where I woke up and said, I, I did this, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? Yeah. I look at it like I've had the privilege of working for people who believed in me. I've had people tell me to my face, I don't hire white people, Dove, mm. but I like you. And I've been told, Dove, I would like for you to teach my black staff how to do what you do. Mm. And some people might be horribly offended. I was like, hell yeah. I'm honored to do that. I'm honored to do that. If you if you have young people you believe in on any level, right. and it's just a matter of me teaching them a skill that could literally have you eat the rest of your life, right. we're doing that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. there's no shame in that. It's beautiful. And honestly, you know, let's be real, real. You know, the way that I came up, the way that I grew up, it's very likely that some of these young people could have been my kids. True. I mean, I mean, so, but, at, but at the same time, you, you show and improve through, you know, your clients, you know, your writing that's out here, you know, your iconic photography. I mean, the list goes on and <laughs> on. You, you yeah. know, that's that's what I think people can people can draw from as well. Yeah. I mean, the proof is in the work. And when I used to dance and this is, a, you know, people who know me well know this. Yeah. I used to dance in the clubs, in the black clubs. Right. And all my old partners from way back will tell you, I can dance my ass off. I'm not walking up in an all black club, getting on that stage to make a fool out of myself. Indeed. I'm getting up there to show and prove. So when I walk out of here, you know why the fuck I'm here. Mm. And that's how I operate, right? Hey. So <laughs> that's every time. The love comes from the respect that I earned, the respect that I earned. Not from, oh, I've danced okay for a white girl. Now, nah, fuck that. I'm going to no. outdance everybody in here today. And y'all motherfuckers are going to know who I am. So that was my attitude as a younger woman. So now as an older woman, no, I can't shake my, my ass. Like, anymore. I don't do that. <laughs> but I feel like anything that I'm doing, I, wanna, I want to have the level of excellence or the level of respect for the work that I do. And sometimes, you know, like we talked about earlier on, you know, sometimes I allow myself to put walls up mm. or, or ball up and just say, ah, you know, I just got this. Sometimes it's soul crushing out here. I think but, we all do. Um, yeah. yeah. Not, to, not to cut you off. Uh, personal, um, personal, you know, perfect example when uh, uh, you invited, you know, us out to, you know, the Def Jam Mixer you know, for LA the goat and so on and so forth. And 
you know, I, I understand that there are certain pockets that, you know, where people, you know, feel comfortable and things of that nature. And I know coming into this, yes, I'm still learning, you know, but certain things overwhelmed me that day. And I had to take a step out because it was something I wasn't used to. You just know. the your face thing or what do you mean? No, I mean, it's just something about, it's just about learning how to navigate in, in certain rooms. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like this is literally still all, you know, new to me. I'm still learning on the job every day as well, you mm -hmm. know? So to be in these rooms with, you know, new talent and execs and people who, you know, have their names out here who've actually done work within the culture. And, you know, I, I'm literally an upstart in a later part of my life. So to be in those circles or to be a part of certain circles is just, you know, sometimes people got to understand that some things are overwhelming and I'm okay with admitting that, you know what I mean? And, you know, it wasn't no diss to you. It wasn't no diss to LA, the gold. It wasn't no diss to Jermaine or anybody in that space. It was just something that I wasn't, that I wasn't used to, even though my page may show that I've been around greats and legends and certain things yeah. of that nature. It's just certain pockets and ciphers that you do feel comfortable in and you don't. And you just take the lessons and you learn from it. Yeah. I mean, that's partially, you know, kind of a bit of social anxiety too. You know, it's like you get put into a room with peers and legends and, and, and like you said, the new artists and the respected artists all at one time. And it's like you're constantly shifting gears to network, right? Yes. And I actually just had this talk so recently. Dot is, I don't know if Dot's still in here, but he knows. But High Prince Party, that's another one of my people's. So glad he could be here. But I feel like the thing that they don't tell you when you get into the industry is how much almost like psychology is involved. Mm hmm because you're constant, hi Dot. You're constantly, hi. <laughs> you're constantly dealing with people's attitudes, egos, etc. But you're also dealing with the subtleties of people's quiet mm. and people's people, other people's walls and other people's ish that they're bringing to the table. And something that I learned a long time ago: it's never about how you feel; it's about how you make others feel. Indeed. So the days that I have anxiety, which is a lot, which is a lot. Right. I remember that me at home, right, is one way. But when Dove goes out into the world, it's almost like all the world's a stage. Was it uh, Shakespeare that said that, right? Mm -hmm. All the world's a stage, I think. Yes. I think he said that. And what I take that to mean is that when I'm out in front of people, I'm not me. I'm not the me that's private, that d doesn't like to be around a lot of people, that doesn't like people hugging me and all these things. Right. When I am a public figure. I'm not famous, but I, I belong to the people at that point. If people feel happy around me, happy to hug me, happy to see me, happy to talk to me, happy to hear me cuss them out, mm -hmm. whatever it is, who yeah. am I to say, I don't feel like that right now? You see what I'm saying? I get it. The self-care comes afterwards. The mm -hmm. self-care is when I look at my friend who I'm with, just like you did that night, to say, yeah. I can't do this anymore. I got it. I need a break. You hear me? Yeah. So there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. It's just you... At cert as you level up, as you get bigger, as you become the bigger podcaster, that's for you to say, hey, I know this is going to be stressful to me. Take some CBD, whatever you got to do yeah, so that you can be here mm -hmm. and just know that you can bite that bullet for a couple of hours and do that. And then afterwards, go saw, go have a drink, go do whatever, stretch, whatever the fuck you run around the block, whatever yeah. you got, right? I feel like you you can't let your public down. Right. By your public, I mean the people who are genuinely fucking with you and happy to see you. They don't want to see you sad. They don't want to see you any kind of way. And I'm sure if you wanted to talk with them one-on-one -on -one later and say, hey, I felt fucked up in the moment, they'll listen to you. Right. But in the moment, we don't get to do that. Right. In the moment, in this industry, and this is the hardest thing for artists, I think, too, 
is that artists have the most pressure of anyone to be perfect. Mm. And this is why we see these Kanye West type meltdowns because bless his heart, he couldn't handle a lot of things that were going on internally. And so instead of allowing himself that space, is now showing outwardly. Out right. Yeah. And it's sad because it's like, I feel like a lot of the greatest artists we've ever known, this is why they do turn to drugs or alcohol or sex addictions and things like that. They allow those things to take their life over because they have a hard time with that social anxiety. Mm. I think most people understand this, right? Yeah. That work with artists. But then when you look at the behind the scenes people, we almost never talk about that stress. That's, so that's the look, point that I wanted, you know, wanted right. to get to, you know, right. because, you know, there are things that we, you know, people behind the scenes that they do deal with, you know, whether it's your personal life or the business that you're trying to, uh, let's say master, you know, the artists that you're helping, or, you know, whatever the case may be, there's always some sort of, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how to word it, but there's always something coming from a certain angle and it, it, there's a way of trying to, to deal with certain things. Um, I know that I'm learning that now and, um, you know, I'm thankful for my, my tribe as we always, you know, we speak, you know, every time when we see each other, you know, and I'm, super thankful that you're uh, uh, a part of that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we have to look at, you know, everyone looks at what happened with Chris Lighty or other execs or other, you know, people in this business. You know, we had a publicist friend just a, a couple years back who life and, you know, people say, oh, well, I wish he would have called me or I wish it, but do you know how many times you ignored people's calls or ignored people's emails? Or if they didn't sound right, you didn't just say, hey, how are you today? Right. How are you? Fuck all this other stuff. Right. How are you today? Mm. Because I need you to be okay. I care about you. That simple question can help so much. Yeah. It can alleviate so much. If you just ask somebody, how are they doing? It, it helps. And it, it also helps to say verbally to someone. Indeed. If you're going through a tough time and you need to talk, call. and if I don't up you text me and tell me i need to talk yes seriously like don't fuck around because i will fucking kill you if you do something to yourself yeah yeah sometimes people right. need to hear it. And, it and it's not again it's not always a suicidal situation sometimes it can be just a self-abuse situation you know where maybe you're shutting down or you're not being productive at work because you can't feel anything you're you know that stress and that pressure and stuff shuts you down mm. so yeah, mental health starts first and foremost, I think, with our accountability, with our tribe, but also the, the environments that we work in, I think, have to be accountable. And I saw Junior made a comment here about that labels should be giving medical insurance for mental health. Yes, I yes, I agree. I like, agree. But I, but I think the reason why they don't invest in that is because they want to keep the cycle going in order to, you know, to attain their bottom line, which is the money. And that's, Listen, and, that's, yes. and that's, honestly, that's, that's evil. Yes. If you look back at the old days of Motown, where they very openly have talked about how they kept the, the artists with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. They kept, here, here, have these drugs, have this alcohol. Because the more suppressed you are, mm -hmm. the less you notice the fuck shit going on in your contract. Exactly. Money. And then these artists end up broke years later because they weren't paying attention Thank because you literally high on life yeah they were in a haze so i find it i find myself putting a lot of it on my shoulders and i know sometimes my clients and friends hate to hear me say it but i am the one that's saying hey lay off that shit like be cognizant be lucid for your conversations mm -hmm. people are out here to fuck you over they don't care about your future. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your fucking publishing deals. They don't care about your 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 touring. They don't care about none of that. None of that. All they care about is the bottom line, that how money. much they get, and they're off to find the next mark. Right. That's it. Yeah. You're so right. you artists, look at you know all these artists out here who have done it the right way, follow their movements, take their advice, 
whatever you have to do. But like Oprah Winfrey says, always sign your own checks. Well, see, I that's that's that. <laughs> hey, that that's where that's you know that's uh, I think the point we're all trying to get to, you know. And yeah. um, I honestly think you know we'll get there in due time, especially you know working with the right people and you know being around the right energy. Um, so let me just I guess this that with that being said, you know. What's the one thing you can say to a young woman entrepreneur or a young entrepreneur, you know, at, you know, period, you know, trying to establish themselves in this industry? Um, number one, you're not a man. Don't try to be a man. Number two, don't make excuses for being a woman. It's okay to be a woman. It's okay to be feminine. It's okay to live your life the way you want to live it in this business but you also have to have a thick enough skin to understand that people will try you mm. but then on the flip side you also can't go around being a freaking battleship either exactly you know? so finding that balance be work on yourself first be happy with yourself be confident in yourself make your moves the way you got to keep your fucking mouth shut don't tell people all the moves you're making because unfortunately mm. even who you, you consider friends in this business mm. will sometimes sabotage roadblocks for you speak on it they're they could be a narcissist yes so it's literally a mental health issue it's in their nature to do these things mm. or they are just dead set on getting ahead and you are just a block in the road to them well. so <sighs> Be strong, be strong, be smart, watch where you're going, hold your shit to your chest and have a good tribe. You know, Dub, I, I love you so much. You, you, <laughs> oh, every time I see you or I get to speak with you, you give so many words of wisdom and, you know, that's hard to come by these days. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to come to your well, you know, whenever allowed. Um, if, you know, if you can, you know, tell the people what you got going on now, how they can get in contact with you or, you know, you know, get, you know, for you, for your services, you know, whatever you have to offer, talk to the people and tell them what you've got. Well, I will say right now, I'm not taking on any new clients, at least until like November. Because okay. Booked and blessed. Let's okay. say, um, you know, I have a few clients right now, some of whom already checked in here. Yes. Um, I've been working with here in New York with Viper Records, um, dot demo. Actually, that's how we met, but dot and I, you know, work closely together on things as well. And, you know, it's, I feel like that has been really energizing to me to just have that energy close to home because yeah. so many of my other clients live far out. So I have, you know, Ferrari Yanni out in Chicago. I've got Brooklyn Queen, you know, and the whole BMB movement. I've been with them for six years now. Yeah. Um, you know, they're out of Detroit, but they're living in LA now. Um, you know, in down in Atlanta, there's Sean Cassidy, works with Drummer Boy. We got um, Jay Lou. Uh, we got uh, Prince Party and the whole crew at Blackout. They're doing some amazing things. Um, geez, like Zay Capiche, like we're not formally working together at the moment. But that's my guy. Um, man, and then LA the Goat, obviously the Indeed. last helping them kind of get sorted out yes uh la's out of tampa doing his thing um and it's like someone's gonna punch me in the face because i'm no i'm like <laughs> like what and then of course paul i mean paul's been with paul's been with me for what eight years or so yeah had a lot going on again three six mafia shows i actually saw he is down with uh miles yachts they were doing something with red bull in nashville this wow. weekend really cool Jeez. yeah yes. thank you to the legend for even joining the chat today that that was beautiful yeah and then uh paul um i don't know if you guys heard miles yachts when i walked through everyone's playing when i walked through don't. yeah 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 i'm familiar so miles dances for paul that's how i met him but his song has gone super viral now which is amazing so now mm -hmm. paul is being the chef at the red bull kitchen for their red bull dance seminar and they flew a bunch of journalists down so it's just like super cool to see all these worlds kind of going together that's you know beautiful. love the dance always that's just incredible indeed well uh dove um we always keep it you know definitely short and sweet but definitely informative and um 
I just want to thank you for, you know, the wealth of knowledge and the wealth of wisdom that you display today and, you know, what you share with our viewers and what will be shared later on this week once we put it out to the masses. Um, again, thank you for becoming a, a special part of my life. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, Dove, I, I, I really thank you from, you know, uh, inviting me to, you know, the photo shoots and, you know, other things behind the scenes that... Uh, for other things that's us well what no not at all definitely just you know i like you said <laughs> some things you don't want to always you know put out there you know what i mean yeah. so I'm, I'm i'm keeping okay. it close i'm definitely keeping it close <laughs> to the best but you know okay. i just want to thank you for you know your involvement in you know in you know the rise of my career um as i just moved here to nyc and you know thank you for being the guest here on chopping it up with the conduit no, this is this is the fastest 50 minutes in the history of 50 minutes. Indeed. But very informative. Very, very informative. That was good. Well, thank you for having me. Anytime, Dove. I know we're definitely going to have a part two because uh, I know you have much more to conquer out here. Yeah, I do. You know, we're, we'll keep it moving. You'll be a part of the process as we go, of course. Thank you very much. And I'm, I'm definitely ready for the journey. And thank you to everybody who joined us this evening. I love you too, Dot. Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, I got to say hi to everybody. <laughs> Leslie, hi, everybody. <laughs> hi. hi, guys. Hi. Oh, my God. It's overwhelming. Thank you, guys. Yes. I appreciate y'all. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> nice question. <laughs> All right. Good night, Dove. Okay. Good night. Okay. Peace. That's a wrap. Episode seven, chopping it up with the conduit, our special guest, none other than uh, Dove Clark. You've seen how many uh, gems she displayed for us and, and much more to learn from. And I'm thankful, you know, to have her in, in, in my corner, in my tribe. Again, salute to my family, which is uh, my executive producer, Mika Sunga, uh, Mad Urgency Myron, Adam7X, my brother D King and the super producer, super producer Bink, you know, on our theme track for chopping it up with the conduit. Again, everybody, you know, uh, we're on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Audio Mac, along with podcasts on Vivo. Um, be sure to subscribe, comment, rate, share with your friends, and tell all the people. Um, we'll be back with some more good stories for y'all. Um, until then, you know, y'all be good to each other. Check on your loved ones. You know, continue to wear your mask, practice social distancing, you know, whatever you feel that keep yourself safe. Again, one love from chopping it up with the conduit. I never dream my first name with fiends. They defy bank tellers the book of my life reads. Water fountain, no, now the money fountain close. Drink about a window, breathe, make a Malcolm on. Honda's over potholes, no pot to pissing. Rich or poor, depending if they got your pops in prison. Early morning samples, nigga, chop it up. Uncut or the scramble, nigga, chop it up. Got the line down the block, shorty, chop it up. Got it grind for the spot, shorty, clap it up. If you need to come, do it, come and chop it up.